0: Ask yourself this, when is the last time that the Pittsburgh lineup consistently had a top six in which both lines were, if not equally threatening, then really close to it? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacovich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguin, six kings, one. As in, wow. It's one thing to have six goals and exactly six goals in each of your first three home games. It's quite another for two of those victims to have been the lightning and these kings. These kings, for anyone who doesn't keep up, with the other conference, look like they could really be something if they got themselves some goaltending, which they don't currently have. But they'd come in winning all three games on this ongoing road trip, and they'd scored 12 goals over those three games with a deep, uh, younger, and somewhat fun lineup. Yeah, they still got their Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty and so forth, but their bus is really being driven by a group of youngsters more than anything else. And when the Kings came out the way they did last night, taking 13 of the first 16 shots in the game, it looked like it wasn't going to exactly be some awesome night for the home team. But a couple of things happened. One, Tristan Jari happened. To his inestimable credit, boy, was he good. And then the second line happened. Again. Yeah, it was Jan Ruta getting the goal. But it was Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust creating all the possession in the attacking zone. It was Jason Zucker planting his butt in front of Cal Peterson for the big screen. And and Ruta did well to get the shot through. That put the Penguins up one to nothing. After which they never looked back. But you know, there was still other stuff they had to get through, and they did, in large part because the first line or the second line would come onto the rink and make something happen. Now in this one, you know, the third and fourth line guys weren't exactly bad. But when it comes to actually doing the damage, and this is going to be consistently applied, it's going to have to be consistently applied throughout the season, it was about the Sid line, or the Gino line, Sid line, Gino line. Some nights somebody's going to have it, some nights they won't. But what you've always wanted, well, I shouldn't say that, what I've always wanted and talked about all summer long, for those of you who aren't new to this program, was to have Ricard Raquel fit with the first line because you knew Rust was going to fit with Gino because he's always done that in the past. And, oh, by the way, also Rust fits with everybody everywhere. He's an, an exceptionally compatible player. And that's what's happened. Raquel scored on a rebound. One of the prettier rebound efforts you'll see. Uh, Skating past Peterson and out-muscling Drew Doughty for positioning on a puck and then just backhanding it, uh, almost like a behind-the-back pass to get it inside the far pipe for the Penguins' third goal. Um, Just a really, really good play, but beyond that, he was in sync with Sid, with Jake Gensel throughout the evening, and he's been that way So, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff from this game. And I don't mean to focus on just one thing, but I kind of prefer to do uh, this show in themes or in a predominant theme. I'm not going to ignore the fact that Jari was so good. I'm not going to ignore the fact that, you know, Jeff Petrie had a goal and two assists coming off of not a three point game, but a three penalty game in Montreal. And he contributed uh, one of the prettier assists of the night by simply flicking the puck through traffic, which is something this team was missing last year. I asked Petrie about that afterward. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's been important, obviously when you have the time to, to really lean into one, you know, that, there's a time for that, but mm-hmm. you know, for me, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, especially in the power player, five on five, uh, you know, when, like I said, when, when those forwards are there, um, we got to reward them for, for being there. So, when I'm scaling line and see a see a lane, um, you know that's just trying to get the puck to the net for you know whether the goalie doesn't see it or for a rebound for those guys. Lots of good stuff. Ryan Paling got a goal for crying out loud. We even saw some team toughness after Brendan Lemieux's very characteristic cheap shot on Jake. Uh, it, it, it was just a big, big positive overall, even if you want to include those opening 10 minutes, because a good team knows how to bounce back from those opening 10 minutes. A good team also knows how to capitalize on garbage goaltending, which is what Los Angeles had. So All of these things are, are positive, but nothing adds up the way having a formidable top six does. That's that. That's something that can't be overstated, because I'm going to swing back now to what I brought up on the intro, and that's when is the last time this team had that? Yeah, of course they've had the first line, and remember the damage the first line did all through the Rangers series and the playoffs. It was entertaining as hell, but you knew that the other guys, even though Gino was playing fairly well, weren't going to contribute a blessed thing. And you also knew that if Gino, for whatever reason, was going to get to play with Jake and Rust, that all of a sudden that line was going to click. What you were missing was wingers. You were missing wingers and and a little bit of compatibility between the center and the right wing to take that to the next level. Now, Raquel obviously also got hurt in that series, which people forget about. And Zucker, well, (laughs) I mean, he was in and out nonstop pretty much all year long. But when you see what this looks like, when you see the impact that it has, when was the last time? I have to go all the way back to the 2016-2017 teams that won Cups. I don't have some super strong second line that was working behind the Sid line, whatever that happened to be. The Sid line has always been a strength, almost without exception. But what hasn't been in play is a Geno line that's worked. Now you're seeing Geno skating, and boy, was he skating last night. If you were there... In the arena, you know what I'm talking about. I don't believe that sort of thing translates onto TV. because You can just watch a player from end to end if you choose to. Gino was churning. But he isn't alone now. And I know, I know, it's early. They got to stay healthy. They're older. Zucker's hurt all the time. Blah, blah, blah. I get that. We're talking about right now. And right now, it's impressive. When we come back, J1Q... Today's J1Q comes from Bob, who asks three simple words. How is Jake? You know, Bob, there aren't good answers for that after the possible convergence of events that knocked him out of the game. And we can't know that. Uh, We can't even, to be honest with you, responsibly guess at it. However, when you see that Jake gets cheap-shotted, by Brendan Lemieux, and if you look at the slow-mo, you can see very plainly that it's Lemieux's left shoulder pad that ends up riding into Jake's head. Sullivan said afterward that he felt the hit was both late and unnecessary. I might have gone further. Because when you're hitting somebody with the head as the principal point of contact and you have the history that this cretin does, you could have you could have been a lot nastier than Sullivan ever gets. Okay, let's put it that way. His players took that matter very much into their own hands, which is way, way beyond the norm Uh, to see Jason Zucker chasing down Brendan Lemieux and. Sticking him in the face on that two-on-one that Los Angeles had to see Tristan Jari uh, taking a one-handed hatchet swing at the side of Brendan Lemieux's right knee. Uh, You understand how they felt like they had to stick up for, for their guy and really, ultimately, for each other. That was neat. The fact that they also had the awareness that they could do stuff like that because it was six to nothing at the time. An even bigger plus, if you're going to take dumb, reckless, uh, selfish penalties like that, do it when you're up by a touchdown, you know, don't let other teams take liberties on you. I like that. Now, Jake actually left the game following taking a rising deflected shot that Chris Letang had tried from the point. And it came up and it seemed to hit him in the right ear or in the right ear area, judging by what he was holding and judging by what the athletic trainers were tending to. Now, did one affect the other? I mean, we just don't know. We don't know. Uh, I would be not just stunned, but mortified if he were to practice today. The Penguins do have a little bit of time before they begin formally the Western Canada road trip that starts next week and swings through Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. You want to make sure that he's getting some rest between now and when the actual games get going. They're flying, by the way, early. They're flying tomorrow into Alberta, I have a feeling that's to do one of those team uh, building type exercises that which they've done in the past in the resort town of Banff and in other places uh, that are near both Edmonton and Calgary. But let's just see Jake chill and let's just see him get back on the ice, ideally, whenever he's needed again, meaning to face the Oilers. And from there, just hoping for the best. Uh, Jake's going to take his hits. He is. He's not a big guy. And at the same time, he's a big target because teams know that they need to get him off his game to disrupt not only the goals that he'd produce, but also, obviously, Sid's primary partner out there. They feel like if they take one out, they can take them both out. And that's one of many reasons that Sullivan refers to Jake as being a really, really tough SOB, which, by the way, he showed on the goal that he scored by just making uh, making himself a whirlwind inside the Los Angeles crease before Chris Letang jumped into the play and passed the puck in front to him. Uh, I wouldn't get overly concerned. Let's put it that way. We saw him skate off under his own power. Uh, We saw him looking very alert, as he did, and again, there's been no trace of any word from anyone, and I can tell you this from being inside the locker room as well, that there's some sort of concussion or whatever. Let's just see how it goes. The game was a blowout. You wouldn't have left him in either i appreciate the question i appreciate everyone listening to daily shot of penguins not just today but all week long it sure is fun having hockey back let's do it again monday